Welcome to the Inside Out Life, the podcast where we strive for inward reformation that inspires outward transformation in every area, marriage, family, faith, and life. I'm your host, author, and pastor, Chris Schimmel. I'd like to talk to you in this program about self-criticism, but to do that, I want to begin with the scripture in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 through 5, where Jesus addressed this subject. It says in verse 1, Judge not, that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the same measure that you use it, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck out of your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck out of your brother's eye. So in this scripture in Matthew, the primary theme is not criticism of others. That would be considered a secondary theme. The primary theme of these verses, spoken directly from the mouth of Jesus, is self-criticism. Jesus is challenging people to, before they go on record and slam dunk another person's character or actions or or motives or looks or whatever, they ought to take a hard look at their own heart. Because chances are the problem they see in others actually lies within themselves. Now with this in mind, Jesus makes four clear points about self-criticism. Number one, criticism invites criticism. In other words, when I criticize someone else, it kind of opens up the door and the windows of my life so that others can peer inside and see the same fault in me that I am criticizing others for. If I say, Sam's car is always dirty, you can be sure that people are going to start noticing my, well, every spot that appears on my car. And if I say, Sally's kids aren't the best behaved, it draws all eyes to my kids and my parenting ability. And every flaw will be detected. And, well, that's just the way it works. And I remember a person pulling me aside and sharing with me some of the frustrations he had with some of the people at his work. He said, they're just plain stupid. What they say is stupid. What they do is stupid. They're, they're all incompetent idiots. Every one of them, they're stupid, stupid, stupid. And I'm trying to be a good pastor, you know, and not insult this man to his face. But while he's identifying all these traits of stupidity um, without uh, me even trying, um, you know, events, scenarios, and incidents are coming to my mind where... He said things or did things or acted in ways that weren't so smart either. And I'm thinking, 
well, Lord, this, this isn't pastor-like. But you see, when he began criticizing others, he sort of unlocked a spiritual principle or maybe portal in the situation. He was actually bringing down a judgment on himself that he was intending to point at other people. And I didn't say a word, but boy, I sure saw it unfolding. And you know what I'm talking about? You do. Uh, we've all been talking to someone who is railing someone, and we're thinking, who are you to talk? Jesus said, with the same judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be, it will be measured back to you. If you don't want to be criticized, then don't criticize. Jesus pulls no punches. He calls them hypocrites because they are putting on the air of wholeness by pointing out the errors of others when all the time they are as unwhole as those they are criticizing. Now, a second point Jesus makes very clearly, and that is criticism blinds. Look at what he says. The speck in our brother's eye is so big, it blocks our view of the board in our own eye. And this is nothing more than deception. The scripture says Satan is a slander, a liar, the father of lies, and the deceiver of the whole world. There are a lot of areas in our world where Satan deceives, like in the area of money or materialism or power and so forth. But the area where he does his greatest damage is where he leads individuals into self-deception. And he does this with sin. People deny their sinfulness and they miss heaven. He does this with self-image where he dupes people into thinking that they are worthless when actually they are dripping with potential and abilities, but they can't see it. They're deceived. He does this with criticism and blame. People become so convinced of the fault of others, they are unable to see fault in themselves. It's the worker that clocks in late, calls in sick, does shabby work and finds every opportunity to sit around instead of doing his job. And when he is let go, it's everybody's fault but his own. And we all can give a different example. But when we criticize others, um, yet we're unable to see failure in our lives, it's nothing more than self-deception. And the enemy loves it when we lie to ourselves. Because if we can't see our own failure, we'll never be whole. We'll never be healed. We'll never deal with and take care of the biggest problem that exists on this planet. And that is ourselves, number one. The problems of the world don't lie within everyone else. The problems of the world lie within us. And if Satan can get us worrying about everyone else but ourselves, you know, blaming others, criticizing others, attacking others, if he can do that, we'll never deal 
with the issues that really matter in this world, the issues that lie within us. So Jesus says, criticism invites criticism. And second, criticism blinds. And the third observation Jesus makes is criticism has no rights. Well, verse 4 says, What right do you have to say to your brother, you've got a speck in your eye when we have a board in ours? So let me make myself clear here. We're not talking about offering constructive criticism or uh, speaking the truth to one another in loving uh, admonition or someone who's you know off the wall and just needs to be corrected we're talking about faults we find in others that are really just reflections of our own inconsistencies after one rose bowl football game several years ago the commentator received 994 letters from viewers criticizing his coverage of the game 496 letters criticized him for obviously favoring USC. And 498 letters criticized him for obviously favoring Ohio State. Those were people who had no right to criticize. Their criticisms were obviously tainted by their own biases and favoritisms. But really, none of us have the right to level these kinds of criticisms. We fall short, very short. And usually the person motivated to criticize in this manner is compelled to do so out of their own failure, which, by Jesus' standard, disqualifies them. Frank Clark said, Lots of faults we see in others are simply the ones we expect to find there because we have them. Really, what rights do we have in our criticisms? Even when we're right, many times it's more right to just forget it and let it go. A few years back, I vacationed with my brother, uh, who is 11 years older than me, and his wife. And, and they're both pretty good uh, golfers, but especially my brother. When I was 12 years old and learning to play golf, I ran out of golf balls. My, my brother was away at college or away at the, at the, in the army or whatever. I don't remember at the time. Um, and so I took a golf ball off of a trophy that my brother won while uh, he was playing in a caddies term tournament. Uh, he had hit a hole in one. And so the ball, the actual ball that he had uh, hit that hole in one with was on this trophy. So I took it because I had run out, and guess what? <laughs> I lost it. Well, the whole time we were uh, on vacation together, he was kidding me several times about losing that ball. And when we played um, the last week, um, he kidded me again, and his wife said to him sternly, Larry, let it go. Let it go. <laughs> Uh, well, is he right? Yes. It was a dumb 12-year-old thing for me to do. And should he let it go? And all the golfers said, absolutely not. <laughs> of course he should let it go because even our rights 
don't supersede relationships. Love, and unity, and people. Let it go. There's a greater right. In the case of criticism, we may be right. Someone may have done wrong or spoken a wrong word or done a foolish thing, but so what? Even if the speck in our eye is smaller than the speck in the other person's eye, even so, let it go. We have no right to stand on our rights because there's a greater right. People, relationships, unity, and love. And for that matter, God's kingdom and his glory are also greater rights. A fourth point Jesus makes throughout the passage is the first step to criticism is introspection. He said in verse 5, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I found that one of the hardest things for me to do is first look into my heart and discover weakness. It's much easier to point the finger at others. One of my challenges is patient driving. <laughs> I am very goal-oriented, which means I have one focus when I drive, and that is getting from point A to point B. And it could be disastrous for anyone who gets in my way. <laughs> um, I, I've heard it said that the shortest time known to man is the time between when the light turns green <laughs> and the idiot behind you blows his horn. Well, I used to be one of those idiots. I blew my horn a lot. But one day, I did about five things that were really stupid. And along with them came the grim reality that I'm not the perfect driver I thought I was. And from that humbling day, God helped me to develop a philosophy. Um, anymore, I very seldom honk at the person who makes a mistake driving because five minutes from now I may do something dumb and I don't appreciate being embarrassed for it. Introspection requires humility. And humility only happens when we were humbled. It was that five-mistake, humbling, driving day that caused me to look into my heart. Many of you could point to even more serious humbling experiences that miraculously caused you to be more patient with and tolerant of others. Unfortunately, we don't decide to be humble. We must be humbled. But when we are humbled enough to look inside and see that we're just as fallible and frail as the person we're about to criticize. Interestingly, we are much less likely to criticize that person. It causes the critical spirit within us to just kind of fizzle. That's probably why Jesus said, first look inside yourself. Because he knew when we honestly and humbly see ourselves, 
will be less likely to want to criticize others. So in the ministry, I have seen an incredible amount of dysfunction. In my earlier years, I recalling become somewhat frustrated with people with severe issues. Of course, I didn't know what was making them so difficult to deal with because I, I lacked experience and, and information. Um, doing my master's degree, I minored in family and counseling courses. And I learned much about the sources of some of the severe issues that people carry with them. But even that didn't necessarily boost my compassion for their plight. It wasn't until I discovered some humbling things about myself that I was motivated to look inside at my own life to find some answers for some of my own issues. And as I looked, I discovered some things. I discovered that I had had an absentee father growing up, which had definitely affected me. And I realized that a molestation experience around age 11, uh, not from my parents, but um, from someone else, had also contributed to some issues that I had to deal with and grow through. This time of introspection has helped me to be much more patient and less critical of people with severe issues. Now, a side note is it has also let me know that people can draw from Jesus the strength and the wisdom that they need to grow beyond those issues because I did. But even if they don't or haven't yet, I am much more patient and understanding of people with extreme issues of abuse and victimization and so forth. And let me tell you, just because I'm a Christian leader, I have been maligned by some people with these kinds of issues just because they have these issues. But I've been able to love them and hold no ill feelings for them because I've seen inside my own life and I've been able to find compassion out of my own shortcomings and experiences. Jesus said, first look inside. Deal with the board in your own eye, and it will help you to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye, <laughs> and may cause you to say, you know what, let's just let it be. God knows the value of humble introspection, and he's hoping that all of us will begin to look honestly and humbly deep into our own lives so that we can gather perspective on how we will see all the experiences and people of our lives. And just so you know, God is not adverse to allowing a humbling experience or two or more come our way if needs be in order to get us looking inside ourselves. So Jesus makes four points about uh, self-criticism. First, criticism invites criticism. 
Criticism blinds, which is deception, causes deception. And criticism has no rights. And the first step to criticism is introspection. Because if we look inside ourselves, it will tend to cause the speck in other people's eyes to disappear, thereby removing it. The most important introspection that we can do is regarding sinfulness. If you were to look inside, you could detect sinfulness. Or have you been deceiving yourself about that?